Welcome back. Toronto this weekend. I'm your host, Dan Chen, filling in for Maggie John. Daryl Conenbelt. Did I pronounce that right, Daryl? Dan, you're close. It's, um, I always say it's a really easy way to remember. You do a co, the number nine, a nan and a belt. So it's Belt. Coninen Belt. I am so sorry. Daryl Belt. I'm joined by Daryl Belt, communication strategist. This is part of the show where we want to get to know some of the Big, big movers and shakers in the city. Uh, and you've been a journalist for the last 20 years with Global and CTV. And you, in the last 12 years, you've been working in strategic communication. So how did you, how did you, how did that journey come together from, from being a journalist to now doing your own thing in strategic communications? Oh, thanks, Dan. And thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. And it's uh, great to connect with everybody this morning. Um, yeah, it was uh, a real um, interesting uh, journey in terms of using the skill set of journalism and then moving that across to communications. And um, I had worked for more than 20 plus years uh, in newsrooms across Canada. I started my career in radio. I grew up in Southern Alberta in Western Canada, uh, just north of the uh, Montana border in a community called uh, Nobleford, but that's uh, near the city of Lethbridge. Mm. Um, so having been educated out West, I spent a good time of my time in radio in uh, BC and Alberta. So places like Campbell River, Smithers, Prince George, and then back to Lethbridge. And then um, my wife and I were both uh, in media. So we decided, well, why not we, uh, you know, head over to the media capital and uh, go to Toronto, which we did. And so um, that started a great career in uh, radio and television and with, as you mentioned, with CTV and Global. Um, you know, early, uh, but then what would happen is that, well, we started having a family. And in um, 2007, uh, we were blessed with uh, triplets and uh, who are now 16, I can say uh, proudly. Um, but um, at that transition, it was a point where, hey, do both of us stay in news or, um, you know, one of us pop out and do something with a bit more family balance. So I decided to take that skill set and move it to communications. And so in the last uh, 12 plus years, I've been working in um the communications uh, uh, portfolio. So with strategic communications, and I decided that, that was a great way to use my skills of a journalist, understanding demographics, understanding people, different issues, having covered them for years, and then moving them into a communications uh, portfolio. And I had the great opportunity to work with some great organizations along the way, um, you know, World Vision, Navigator, and uh, CPPIB. And then in the last year and a half, uh, last two years, I decided to go independent, and um, which has been what I've taken from those other organizations. And now I do uh, independent work advising CEOs and other uh, brands about uh, messaging, crisis communication, and um, brand capital, building brand capital for their different organizations and also their leaders. Wow, that is a handful. First of all, God bless you and your wife, uh, triplets. That is crazy. Um, I have friends who have 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 twins, uh, no triplets, but twins, and they always say like it's 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 short term pain for long term gain. Is that the way you kind of see it with triplets as well, where you just front load all of the the work and labor and the stress, and then you know by the time they hit sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, it's like okay, now you guys do your thing. <laughs> well, I wish it was that simple, but. Um, it's uh we always say to people when they ask us well how do you do it how do you do it and we're like well we don't know any different because that's what uh normal is for us or typical is for us 
So we don't know anywhere else, any way else of thinking, but thinking in threes, if you will. Um, so we don't know what it's like to have a singleton, but we always know how to, you know, work with uh, three three babies, and then they become either toddlers, and and then uh, now they're teenagers, and and now it's other issues, right? It's other things you have to help them navigate. And now we're in that role of over the next two years, we're going to be looking at, you know, where do they go to university and how do we plot that out? And um, so we're really blessed. We've had a great community that's helped us raise them as well and great family too. So it's uh, it's been fantastic and I would have never looked back. And uh, even when I, you know, we had the kids when uh, I was at Global Television and the team there was so super supportive of us as well uh, while we had them. And um, so it's just been great. It's I can't say enough about the what it takes for a village to, to raise a family. 100%. Well, all the best to you guys for sure. So um, communication strategies, managing media relations. Uh, you said you've done public and then you've done private. Is there one that you prefer one or the other? Well, it's interesting. You know, I think um, I've always found in my career that I've always been in this role of a public purpose. So, you know, you take journalism, you're constantly looking at stories and covering stories that, um, uh, you know, cover the issues that are really important to the society and the demographic that you're covering and representing. And you're looking at addressing issues and looking for answers. And I found that even moving into communications, it was the same type of narrative. Like with World Vision, it was the public purpose of child well-being. Um, at Navigator, it was helping companies and corporations, you know, right the ship when there'd be a crisis. Um, and at the end of the day, it's always about these brands and these leaders represent people and they represent products that impact people's lives. And even at CPPIB, it was the, um, you know, the public purpose of a of a uh, an institution that invests the money of CPP on behalf of the beneficiaries and to grow the fund for future retirement is one of the retirement pillars that we have in Canada with CPP. So there's always been that public purpose narrative. And I've always found that that's been something that I've always been dedicated to. And I like working with that. Public's a bit different than private. Uh, on the public side, you know, you're, you're dealing with uh, shareholders, stakeholders, or sorry, on, on the public side, you're dealing, you're still dealing with uh, shareholders and stakeholders, but the stakeholders really are your government and your community and the people. On the private side, you're dealing with actual shareholders and prices and the movement of product and balancing that that life of um, you know liquidity and growth with a portfolio or with a company, and um, also at the end of the day, making sure that your customer and your end end user is is um, is benefiting from what you're putting out there. So it's always been an interesting balance. I like both, um, but again, I think it comes down to Dan the the public purpose of of any any work or anything that I do that I find satisfaction in. So when you get called up and somebody's looking for your type of services, is it is it normally right out the gate when they're starting their business? Is it uh, you know in in the process of them trying to find a voice for themselves in the market, or is it hey something went horribly wrong? We need crisis management. Call Daryl. Yeah, it could be all of the above. Um, I mean, crisis happens. Things go sideways fairly fast. Uh, we live again in a world of uh, a really fragmented media landscape, as you know. Um, and what you say can be uh, twisted quite quickly. Uh, you have to get ahead of messaging quite quickly. Um, so it could be 
uh, a long campaign where you're working on a, uh, let's say, a persuasion campaign to, to help the public understand a new product or understand there's a succession that's happening with with the leader and you have to help the, the public and the, the, share, the stakeholders understand and get ready for this new transition. Or it could be a crisis that happens right away that you have to really right the ship and ensure that you're getting your messages out there clearly and concisely um, before um, they um, get distorted with any type of innuendo or, as you know, fake news or anything like that. Um, I think the climate that we live in right now, too, is that anything you say really can be uh, twisted quite quickly. Um, there's a lot of falsehoods. And I think my role, and I really take the role seriously as a strategic go-to advisor for executives, CEOs, and leaders to help them navigate the media storm that they can face every day. Um, understanding the demographics in different communities across the country, which I've had the privilege of working in, uh, working in a big city like Toronto and understanding those dynamics with a large media base, um, being you know exposed to a number of global uh, markets uh, in my work, uh, like in Hong Kong, Brazil, New York, and, and, and uh, Australia, India, understanding the media demographics there and how you compare those to Canada. At the end of the day, um, any leader in those communities or those regions or countries need to be able to speak with authority and clarity uh, to their shareholders and stakeholders. And so that's what I try to help them do. And uh, we're going to put some of your skills to the test. Okay, Daryl? Okay. Some big sure. stories this week. Uh, we'll, we'll start with this one. Prince Harry, Meghan Markle were involved in a in what their team calls a quote-unquote near-catastrophic incident, claiming they were chased by paparazzi for, for two hours on the streets of New York City after uh, after a gala that they attended. So did you, would, would you say that this was the right move, or do you think you, they, 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 they missed the mark on this one? Well, what an interesting story that was too. When it first came out, you know, you you look at this and your spidey sense says, what? It's, first things, there's a couple things happening. If there was a big high-speed chase or a near-catastrophic event, I would think that the police probably would have been first out of the gate with some response to say, hey, we're looking for this paparazzi or this vehicle, etc. But that didn't happen. Um, it was their press people that put out this statement with a lot of um, hyperbole, like near catastrophic events um, and things that really didn't really end up being substantiated. So I find that the two of them, um, you know, they, they really were looking at creating another headline. And I find that that's what this did. Um, and I think it probably put the authorities, the police or other individuals forcing them to actually come up with statements to to look at the credibility of, of this statement. Had I been in that room, I would have said, um, no, don't say anything unless if there was some strategy that they were trying to prove to, to uh, move the needle to get more exposure. So I think people are now looking at them as saying it's too much and they're distrusting their narrative. And I think my advice would be, if I was contacting them, to be very careful with what you put out there. It needs to be credible, credible factual. It can't be something where you're always appearing that you're the victim of, of somebody else or saying something and you are now having to uh, live with the consequences of somebody else's actions. So I don't buy it. And I don't think the public buys it and everything else that I've been hearing and, and witnessing on, uh, you know, watching news and listening to radio commentary is that 
it doesn't sound factual. It seems odd. It seems like it's made up. Um, time will tell whether other evidence comes out about this, that um, something did indeed happen. But um, from a credibility standpoint, sometimes it's best to learn the art of mystery. And um, sometimes being mysterious allows people to maybe ask questions, but it doesn't mean you always have to provide those answers and let people guess. Um, and that mystery is part of, I think, providing credibility to your brand as well, because their brand right now, I think, is 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 tanking. Well put. Sometimes less is more. Uh, speaking of more, a lot more. What if outgoing Law Law CEO Galen Weston hits you up? Said, "Hey, Daryl, I need your help. I'm not looking too good right now in the public because have you seen our stock price? It is soaring. Have you seen how much money I'm making? It's great, but not for everybody else. What would you say to him?" Well, I think. You know, Loblaws has had made some interesting steps in terms of grocery prices, and they seem like the um, an easy target. Um, I think there's a number of factors happening there in terms of people want to pay less for groceries. They see the you know what the CEO gets in terms of compensation. Um, I think he did the right thing in terms of moving aside and to ensure that he no longer was a brand threat to to that company. Um, but I think I would say, just be real, um, be honest and be authentic with what you're saying. And I think people, that's what people want. Um, people understand that CEOs of major corporations make a lot of money. And I think some of that's well-deserved considering they're in these positions for two, three years, and then they have to move on and the board votes them out. And then they have to move on to something else. And they manage a heck of a lot of money and have a lot of stress on their lives and um, have to be able to ensure that their shareholders are, are being um, listened to and that they're driving company profits. I think people get that. But I think what people are looking for on the grocery side when you're in the aisles is just some authenticity and some honesty to say, yeah, I admit it, these prices are high. It's unfortunate. This is the reality and the truth of what's happening in the market. Um, and not apologize for for what he has done in terms of growing that brand. And so um, I think real authentic messaging is important and not being defensive. Um, when you go into a defensive mode, I think now you are a victim of, you, you have the risk of being attacked. So being positive um, uh, and, and pushing out messages that, um, you know, listen to your customer and put your customer first. And I think in some, in some point, in some places, they haven't put the customer first in some of their messaging. Um, and it's kind of like an us versus them. And here we are in our grocery aisles trying to make ends meet and trying to buy, you know, $25 chicken breasts. And we're still trying to figure out how that works. It's complex and it just doesn't make sense for the consumer. It's a head scratcher for sure. And lastly, before I let you go real quick, what do you make of all of this drama happening at Leafs Nation? Big shakeup yesterday. Kyle yeah. Dubas is out. Uh, Toronto Marlies head coaching, uh, well, the entire coaching staff gone. Uh, and, you know, Sheldon Keefe remains, question marks, top four, question marks. What do you say about that? Well, um, Kyle Dubas really modernized the Leafs in terms of his approach to how integrated he was with the team, uh, the profile building he did with a lot of team members and even the social causes. So it'll be interesting to see what the Leafs do to maintain that brand of a modernized brand that is trying to attract new fans 
um, addressing social causes, and also being a team, being now a uh, uh, an organization that is united. I think one of the things that the Leafs have always struggled with is that the fans have always felt that the we are more dedicated to to winning games than perhaps the team is. I don't think that was the case with Dubas. I think he really was committed. I think he really transformed the team. Mind you, when you look at the statistics, we just really only won just one series in however many years. Um, but I think as a brand, they need to show cohesion, unity, and to ensure that they are all singing from the same song sheet, um, that there aren't multiple pieces of information flittering out to the media to say, you know, you get this story, then you get that story. And it doesn't look like they are aligned as an organization. So when that's happening, I think they have to make sure that they remain aligned, united in their messaging, especially with Shanahan moving forward. I think he's got the confidence of the board. Um, whoever they pick is going to be transformative for that organization. And I think they're on the verge of doing something really, really important uh, to ensure that this roster starts winning games uh, and this is what we've all been waiting for, right? For for how many years? It's been more than 50 years. Yeah. Been more than 50 yeah. years. We're waiting patiently. Daryl Cornenbelt, communication strategist, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. I, I, I could ask you some more skill test questions, but we just ran out of time today. But thank you so much. Have yourself a great weekend. And where could, you where, where could people find you, by the way? If they're looking for your oh. services. Uh, so they can, uh, I have a website called calloscar.ca and um, it stands for Organizational Strategy Communications and Reputation, which is an acronym for OSCAR. Um, so calloscar.ca if you want to connect with me there. Calloscar.ca. Thanks so much, Daryl. Have a great long weekend. You too, man. Have a good one. Bye. So coming up, Toronto this weekend, I'll be sitting down with Cassidy Ward talking about some science news. That's coming up on uh, 640 Toronto.